0: Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is a podcaster hailing all the way from Pennsylvania in the United States. His name is Josh Leonard. Welcome to the show, Josh. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. Thanks for having me, Christian. I appreciate it. It's
0: a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, Yeah, so I will straight up just say, like, let's go straight to the plugging, because I actually appeared on Josh's show. It's not available just yet and um, to be fair i don't know when this is dropping either because i do things ahead as does josh but his show is called the pursuit of infinity podcast and it kind of follows i suppose like a bit of a similar theme to mine as far as like an interview style but let's get the man himself discussing his podcast tell us about your podcast the pursuit of infinity what's the key theme and what are you aiming to achieve with it
1: yeah so uh it's basically me and my brother and so what we'll do is we'll have like one week i'll post an interview so either him or i so far it's only been me that's been interviewing people um so like week one you know we'll post an interview and then week the second episode week two because we do weekly episodes it's just him and i discussing things and we just go on and off that way so it's either him and i just discussing um questions revolving around the big questions of the universe, spirituality, psychedelics, mental health, even cultural commentary and political commentary, really spanning across all spectrums.
0: Do you ever sort of extrapolate or, or kind of discuss the previous episodes? So like if you've had someone particularly, <clears throat> excuse me particularly controversial or someone who's got some sort of unique ideas that you want to kind of further discuss with your brother like do you ever do that
1: yeah sometimes we'll uh we'll mention previous episodes and because the themes are pretty universal throughout um we often go back to certain subjects that we that we've already touched on and maybe elaborate a little more on those or just sort of bring them to the forefront
0: more within like the topic we're talking about within that episode awesome man awesome and um yeah because this is the thing when i appeared on your show like my episode hasn't dropped yet um and i know that you're sort of doing it way ahead and i always used to wonder about this because i've been on quite a few different shows over the close to two years i think now of doing this um because it's quite not for those who don't know the podcasting Uh, sphere community if you like is very giving I think it's very kind of back and forth and everyone wants to kind of prop each other up and help each other but one thing I have noticed is and I've said this on previous shows it's all about the numbers in the sense that um, you got to break through and get to a certain numbers and keep pushing and and it's very thankless you know like you get your first 20 episodes under your belt and it's a good feeling 50 100 whatever Um, I'm currently on 130 something might be even 140 now and um I often tend to think about like is there an ending to this like what's what's the plan what's the goal and and my personal thing is just I don't know just keep going let's see where this goes but um you you sort of fairly recently started this haven't you like when, when did you start doing this
1: yeah, I started doing this um, really in the beginning of this year. Uh, our first episode mm. dropped in January.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so oh, so you were recording kind of like the tail end of last year in preparation for the beginning of the year. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, since you're doing it like that, because I'm doing the same thing, like I've managed to sort of put myself into a bit of a difficult position where I've got loads of podcasts to do, like one after another but at the same time I see it as an opportunity. I'm like, Oh, this will put me ahead. I can like pre-schedule these, you know, buy myself some tire, et cetera, you know, and it seems like a good idea. Um, but since you're doing this like all the time and you've been doing it for a a bit longer, like what have you kind of learned from that process? Like, does it make things easier and quicker? Like what's the deal?
1: It makes things way easier and it's way more comfortable to have episodes recorded and edited ahead of time because, what I usually try to do is I'll record interviews just as much as possible and I'll keep those in the bank. Uh, and then okay. weekly, or actually usually it's like bi-weekly, every other weekend, like my brother will come over and we'll record. And then on that Wednesday or Thursday, I'll release that episode. Mm-hmm. So it's like the the interviews I keep in the bank just for like, the you know what I mean? Like for the later dates. And then we record pretty much like on the spot almost uh, when we do the episodes with just him and I.
0: How many interviews have you done so far?
1: Let's see. How many have I done? We have nine episodes out. Actually, I did just release our episode. Um, so, yeah, I think I have like five interviews because episode right. one, three, yeah, five interviews.
0: And have you ever interviewed before doing the podcast? Do you have any experience in that kind of sphere?
1: No, I have no experience. Um, I just – Really, me and my brother just, we love to talk about these these types of subjects, mm-hmm. and we thought, you know, why not just release this as a podcast, you know, because we have interesting conversations. People around us tend to, to listen to them, and, you know, while we're having the conversation and say, oh, man, this would be a cool podcast to listen to. So we said, you know, why not? And I really love the interview aspect as well, too, because it allows me to talk to people who you know, I've admired over the years too. And that's really one of the main goals here is to be able to talk to people who I never thought I could ever talk to before.
0: So who are some of the people you've been able to sort of talk to that you've been itching to talk to in the, in the past? Like, is it like uh, friends? Is it, is, I don't know, like who, who have you had on the show so far that you've been really like enamored with?
1: So one person that we just had an interview with, it was episode seven uh, I interviewed Joe Moore. He is the CEO and co-founder of Psychedelics Today, which is in, uh, it's a podcast mm. and education uh, network for like, right. psychedelic integrated uh, therapy. And these guys are fantastic. Uh, they're one of the biggest podcasts in the space, which was always, it's always something I wanted to, uh, to get into with them. Um, and I've been listening to their podcast for a while. So that was a really cool opportunity as well and i have this guy that's coming on at the end of the month Uh, his name is daniel mcqueen and he Mm. wrote a book that i really like called um, psychedelic cannabis so it's all about how to use cannabis as like a psychedelic sacrament which is super interesting so i'm getting to talk to him too and uh, one of my main people that i'm looking to uh, is a man named dennis mckenna when i started to get a little bit bigger and our numbers start to rise like you were mentioning uh that's like my next big goal is to get him
0: so you have a bit of a keen interest in psychedelics from what i can from what i can tell is that based maybe upon previous experiences previous ventures into the psychedelic sphere or is that just purely just interest and and like looking at you know how one can expand their mind, et cetera. Like what, what, where does that interest sort of originate from?
1: (laughs) Well, the interest initially began around like 2015, 2016. Um, You know, there was all this turmoil going on in my country uh, surrounding the elections. Mm. You had these big figures, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. And like, I just noticed that there's so much, wrong with our society, like, and there's so much going on that is just, it's crumbling us and it's crushing us. And I was looking for an alternative way of thought, an alternative way to sort of, to think about things. And I started to really contemplate, um, you know, the big questions of the universe, like, you know, where do we come from? What are we here for? You know, because obviously the political sphere doesn't seem to be the right place to find our purpose, what we're meant to do, and how to heal the world, because it's very sick. And I stumbled across um, a man named Terence McKenna, who is the brother of the dude that I'm trying to get on. Uh, he passed away in 2000, unfortunately. Um, and he talks about psychedelics, mainly psychedelic mushrooms and DMT, dimethyltryptamine, and I started to get really, really interested in these things because he would claim that you can transform your mind, transform the world. And there, these were just real magic. He described it as, um, it's basically the thing that they told you could never exist. You know, it's like a real connection to quote unquote, God or spirit or soul. And I thought, man, this seems, uh, this seems interesting. Um, and it, it didn't, of course, it didn't click until I actually tried psychedelics. And mushrooms were my first introduction mm. into the psychedelic world. And, I mean, the experience of the mushroom was just reaffirming of everything that, um, that he was saying and everything that I was reading around the internet and um, listening to on podcasts and things like that. Um, so, yeah, the experience really, really reaffirmed what I was going
0: for. And can you explain a bit more about your actual experience, like the sort of things you were seeing or feeling like, what was it? What was that like?
1: The experience itself is it's very subjective and Mm -hmm. it's very dose dependent. So without getting too crazy into like the details of the dosage, there's like threshold dosages where. You really don't feel too much. Well, even before that, there's micro doses, which I'm not sure if you've heard mm-hmm. um, a lot of in Silicon Valley, micro dosing is becoming really popular. And I mean, these are doses that you can't even feel an effect. It just gives you a slight edge on your creativity, your energy levels. Um, and there's it's really not um, a dose where you feel like you're getting like high in any way. Um, but where my interest really lied was the heavy doses, the high doses, which they (laughs) refer
0: to as heroic. (laughs) Okay. Damn. Well, fair enough, fair enough. Um, But like, I want to push you a little bit more on this. Like, was there, because you always hear these crazy stories about, you know, what people see and feel and everything. And, you know, I mean, I did drugs back in the day. I, I did shrooms actually at one point. And I never had an experience like that you know I mean Mm -hmm. I think the closest I ever had to that was I accidentally uh, had ketamine Uh, it was actually laced in something that I'd had yeah I know (laughs) it was kind of scary Um, I found out later and I was very annoyed but it explained why I was so high and the the feeling that I had and uh, the best way I could explain it was um, it was a summer's day And I was probably 14, 15 at the time. And, you know, at the time we we were pretty used to smoking smoking weed, you know, it was no big deal, really. Um, And I was just sitting there with a group of friends, smoking and chilling and that's it, really. But then I guess the ketamine kicked in because I suddenly felt extremely cold, you know, almost to the extent of uh, shivering. And I remember turning to this girl next to me and saying, "Like, oh my god, it's so freezing!" And she looked at me like I was crazy and just said, "What do you mean? It's like thirty degrees." And then I started to worry, and I could feel my heart going like that. And I was like, "Okay, I need to calm down. I need to calm down." Uh, I got some water, and then the craziest bit happened, which was probably my only only real. I don't know out there experience if you want to call it that um i and i don't know if it was a dream or if it was perception or what but i felt like i was in a like a movie theater sitting in one of the rows watching my life on a screen but not watching like you know best bits or something it was like just watching that specific moment so i was watching myself and I remember switching in between that feeling and then also, you know, like just me sitting in that piece of patch of grass, you know, experiencing that, that moment. And it kept switching and every time it kept switching and I jumped back into my body, so to speak, um, I remember thinking like, Oh my God, calm down, calm down. I don't know when it's going to happen again. I just need to get through this. It'll probably last like an hour or two. Like I've read enough online to know that this won't last too long. And eventually it did. And I was just like, Oh my God, that was intense. So that's my experience. Was it, what was it like that comparable? What was, what was that experience like? What can you tell us?
1: Oh yeah. I've had, I've had some pretty terrifying experiences. I've, I've done, I've done mushrooms some, a bunch of times, um, it's hard to even say how many times. Um, mushrooms are my favorite and pretty much my, my go-to psychedelic. Um, I, ha- I have experience with DMT as well, mm-hmm. um, which is just outrageous. The most outrageous psychedelic it, you know, that there is. But uh, yeah, I've had some pretty terrifying mushroom experiences too. Some absolutely glorious as well. Because when you get to the really higher doses, um, there's a feeling of losing your mind Wow. that is the most terrifying feeling in the world and what that is is sort of like um, your ego is sort of holding on because it's feeling the warning signs of its disillusionment so what happens when you take a really high dose is so when you start it takes about an hour and 20 minutes for it to come on Hmm. and during that hour and 20 minutes is the most anxious I've ever felt in my life. I I get so anxious, so, so much anxiety because you feel yourself starting to merge with this, this thing, you know, this thing you can't describe And, and you, you feel yourself, it's, it's so hard to put into words, but you get this crazy anxiety as if your, your mind is about to lose control because what your ego does is it's basically meant to facilitate survival within like the physical world, and what the mushrooms do is they sort of dissolve your default mode network, which is the place that your ego lives essentially within your brain. And when that happens, all the alarms go off, and your ego is like, "No, no, 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 no! I gotta hold on to this. I can't allow myself to to go through this." But you have to override that. And surrender to the experience and when you do surrender that's when all the magic happens
0: see that to me sounds terrifying though because in a way you said you took you spoke about losing your mind like couldn't you in theory be lost forever i mean when, when when you talk about this experience it kind of reminds me of um Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd who famously did like a particularly intense acid trip and he was described as being sort of lost forever you know like he's he's I I don't know if he's still alive now I assume not but like he was alive for many many decades but like just away like his mind was gone Sid was gone it's just like he was a shell of himself kind of thing Um, and it sounds a lot like what you're saying this idea that maybe when he did his trip he let go, but he never came back.
1: Generally speaking, your mind will tell you that you're never going to come back and you're going to die and this and that, but you always come back. The, the difference between whether or not you come back in a healthy way is dependent on a few things. Number one is before you go into the experience, what research have you done? Um, what's your intention for going mm-hmm. into it like some people they go to a party or they go to a festival or something and right. they take a whole bunch of acid because also it's very dose dependent as well so people don't necessarily know how much they're taking or what they're getting so if you take a whole bunch of drugs a whole bunch of acid at like a festival or a party and you're just trying to have fun with your friends you may have an, like an unintentional what we call spiritual emergence which is that that spiritual, um, experience, which is, which just, just blows all your perceptions of what you previously thought were real and what were important just out of the water. So to me, it sounds like what someone like him experienced was possibly they didn't, he didn't actually know what he was getting himself into. Mm. And also, uh, afterward, What's the most important part about taking a psychedelic, especially at a high dose, is that you what, what you call integrate. You integrate the experience into your life because you go out into these far off places, into these magical realms. And what's important is that you ha- those, those experiences have to inform what you do when you come back to this world and this realm at least that's that's the way i look at it is that this is our default realm here our default mode of consciousness and when we come back we have to integrate those experiences into this mode of consciousness because if not there's like a there's a battle there might be a battle between yourself you know not knowing what's real not knowing what's important you know what i mean
0: yeah but like when you say it like that it implies that you know there's definite control and it's like something that you have to consciously do in the sense that you know and I'm just theorizing here like you know based on what you've said but to me it seems like you're sort of saying like once you come out the other end you've then got to kind of categorize what you've just experienced and understand like oh this is what it means this is what it means as opposed to maybe uh continuously uh, questioning like, Oh, what's the point of this? Oh my God, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? And driving yourself nuts with it. Like, is that kind of what you mean or have I missed something there or is there a bit more to it? Sort of.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of the idea. I mean, essentially these experiences are so profound that they tend to, um, to change a person's outlook on what's real on what's possible in the world and what's important. and, if you're not ready for that type of, of like reality shattering experience, then oftentimes instead of integrating it into your life as like a new form or a new perspective of thought, um, instead you fight against it. Right. And w- these experiences are all about surrendering. Um, and if you do surrender, if you do it the right way and you consciously integrate it into your life, it, can, it changes. it can change everything. I've seen it happen. It's happened to me, to people that I'm close to. But the key is you have to have respect for the substance, respect for yourself, and you have to be very, very careful. And also, um, mixing of substances with psychedelics, not a good thing. If you're taking certain drugs daily, whether they be like psychotropics or SSRIs, um, you can get what's called like serotonin syndrome, where it's like a serotonin overload in your mind, like in your brain, like a, a literal like chemical overload of serotonin because your your you're, you're uh, I believe it's the same receptor that serotonin fits into. That's what the active substance in mushrooms fits into as well, which is called psilocybin or psilocin. Um, and, if you're taking a substance that already is like overloading your brain with serotonin, and then you take another substance that does the same thing, you could have some issues. So it's very dependent on, you know, what you're putting into your body, you know, physically and mentally.
0: It's crazy how fragile our minds are just, just a little bit of an imbalance or or a tick one way. And that's it changed forever that's crazy to think about it but it makes more sense now do you know what I mean like for instance if someone has like a particularly catastrophic like car crash car accident something like that and they you know it hits them in a particular way and it can restructure everything you know like in their brain for example and then they're not the same person and they demonstrate different behavior and but it makes sense in that you know like I think we believe we're a lot stronger than we are in, in some way. Like, don't get me wrong; like we are stronger than than we believe, but we have to be careful. Like, one thing I've learned over the last couple of years is that like mental health is something you have to take very seriously. Um, even just something little things like you can't take them lightly. You know, you got to pay attention to them and really, you know, try your best to work on them, etc.
1: Yeah. And these experiences are often um, described as some of the most powerful and important experiences of people's lives, along Mm. with like the birth of their child and things like that. So when there's something that's that profound that you can experience, you have to take it, you know, very carefully.
0: So how did taking psychedelics change your life and the way that you perceive life and your, your outlook on life?
1: Well, fundamentally, I used to be um a staunch atheist and a, a materialist completely um i didn't really have a proper sense of value or mm. um what things meant in my life i just sort of you know floated through without much meaning um and without much joy to be honest and when i stumbled upon these things it it like the experience gave me it opened up my mind, we'll put it that way. It expanded my consciousness in a way where I could be more loving, more compassionate toward people, more understanding of other people's views. And it threw it it evaporated my atheism within the first, you know, minute and a half of the experience, you know? It just told me like, yeah, this is you know, there's there's more out there than what you think. Because the essential thought of atheism is that the only thing it's not that there's no god it's that there's nothing except for this except for what you can perceive and what you can measure with you know with science essentially and with what you can see hear feel in your five senses but when you have a psychedelic experience that is as profound as some of these mushroom experiences can be it changes the way that you perceive what's possible in the universe
0: so are you sort of in the belief of, for example, different dimensions, things that we can't see, these kind of things? What's your view on that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it it made me sort of understand that there is more out there than what we can perceive with our senses because you literally see things that you never thought were possible. One of my my favorite parts of a psychedelic experience is closing my eyes. So when I do it, I I take it in, you know, a dimly lit room um, with relaxing music, candles around, like a very peaceful environment. And that allows me to easily close my eyes and go inside. And what that means is like, so when you close your eyes, you see these closed eye visuals, you know, you always hear about people who take mushrooms seeing the, the walls breathing and you know, seeing things melting and, and all that, that's fun and that's fine, but where the rubber meets the road is when you take a high dose and you close your eyes and go inside because behind your eyelids, you see some of the most magnificent things you could ever imagine. Like I, my DMT experiences and some of, of my mushroom experiences, I, I can I describe as like the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And that's like not even a comparison by, by tenfold because you see these colors and these shapes and these objects morphing in on each other and it's impossible for your mind to come up with this stuff by itself. I remember thinking the first time, I was like, man, like my, how in the world did my mind create this on the, the backside of my eyelids? Like how am I seeing this? And then at a certain point, the visuals almost diminish for me. And then I get, and this may sound crazy. It may sound very strange and weird. And I, I understand that, but it's the only way I can put it into English is it feels like you connect with some like superior intelligence that is like feeding you information. You mm-hmm. know, it's almost like you're it, it you expand your consciousness into the consciousness of this ultra intelligence and it allows you to swim in just an endless realm of ideas. And it's, it's very interesting to say the least.
0: I kind of, I've never had quite that, but you know, and I said this to a recent guest as well. I think that once you start being open to certain things, it does ultimately change how you perceive things and how you approach life and everything in between. And one thing I've experienced is this kind of a a similar thing with like intuition. Like I always used to think intuition was just like random silly thoughts, but now they're like compulsions. Like I always, I almost see them like a cheat cheat codes, you know, they just tell you what to do and they're, they're always the right thing to do. Uh, by you Um, but now it's it's kind of freaky because like I don't know let's say I'm putting something off and I don't want to do it straight away and then the thought inside me is like do it do it now and when it goes do it now I'm like okay and then I do the thing and then it's okay and I wonder like is that maybe the same thing is it you know because I've heard a lot of things over the years of you know i heard people say that we are individual. What is it? A collective consciousness expressed as individual consciousness. You know, so we're having a a human experience, a um, an individualistic experience, though we are interconnected. And when people say that, it sounds crazy, but at the same time, it does make sense from the perspective of like when you see other people hurt, it affects you. You know like for instance when you see something traumatic like I was watching um, one of those like insider vice pieces where it's like they have someone in a it's a really good series they have someone in a mask because they don't want to show their face and they want to remain anonymous and they talk about like horrific things they've had to deal with or industries etc there was one guy who worked for Facebook and he was he'd worked as like a facebook moderator or something like that and he was explaining all of these horrific things he'd seen and he said that like it wasn't until much like afterwards when he like left the job and he sort of had time to process it and realize like how much that affected him even though it's not something directly happening in front of him it's an image or a video or whatever it still affected him on some level and you know when I started like reading and hearing about things like that it started for me to make sense like why people have like PTSD and and, like traumatic episodes that are triggered by things and stuff like that makes a whole lot more sense now because it's like we're interconnected we're seeing things you know that we we shouldn't see you know we should like we shouldn't be for instance at war you know we shouldn't we shouldn't kill each other and I truly believe that if you do something like that you can't live a normal life you just can't it's not only something that will sit with you for the rest of your life but it's like i think i think it's like people say like you know when this thing happens a little bit of your soul dies with it kind of thing you know i I truly believe that and i think that comes down to us all being connected yeah, you know, that's why, as you say, like it's it's so important for us to express compassion and love and emotion towards each other, and and do our best to like take care of each other because of that fact. You know, you hurt others, you hurt yourself, and vice versa. And I don't know, it just in my head that makes sense. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, love and compassion are two of the things that you know psychedelics and spirituality really push to the forefront. And when you have like a mystical experience of your own, you, it's like, at least for me, um, cause it's not like these are just like a magic pill you take and all of a sudden you're like this, like, you know, loving, compassionate spirit floating on clouds all day or something, you know, um, you have to put the necessary work in too, but what it meant for me was it it gave me a perspective of, of compassion and spirituality Mm -hmm. that supported that compassion, which is sort of like, um working on myself through service to others, which is like a, like a Buddhist bhakti yoga type of um, philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it really does promote the connection because you feel, I mean, I've had experiences where I felt um, like the collective, I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it. I felt the collective pain and sorrow of the entire universe. And that comes in as like just an experience of extreme sadness. Um, Actually, when I had this experience, um, I didn't follow my own rules of set and setting, which is basically your mindset is set and your setting is your environment. So you have to have a good mindset and you have to have a healthy environment that you're doing it in. And both of those things for me were off at this time And I took a huge dose when I shouldn't have and but you know having had that crazy experience it's like it was like a nightmare but having that experience I learned more from that than I think I had from any of my other positive experiences which is kind of peculiar but I really felt the the connectedness of everything and everyone And it came in a, in like a negative way, it came as sorrow and pain, most likely just because I wasn't in the correct mindset or the setting for it. Um, But I've had experiences where it comes as just absolute love, where you're just feeling the love and the energy of everything and everyone. And you are it like you're, you are everyone. You are everything. If that, if that makes
0: any sense. No, no, it does. And it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid. Well, No, actually okay no this is really oddly specific but just bear with me i remember so we have this thing in the uk um remembrance sunday it's like two days we wear like poppies it's to do with world war one and world war two and um i always remember looking at all the adults looking really somber on those days and never really quite getting it or connecting with it like I, I understood that it was a sad thing and that people had died I understood the concept of that but I didn't feel anything and I felt like is there something wrong with me am I a bad person I mean I, I was a kid but I just thought maybe there's something wrong with me but now I look back because um, obviously that's changed and now on those days I, I do think about that and I I feel it I feel intense sadness because of I understand what that means, and also because something like that happened, and etc cetera, etc cetera, right um, but the reason I brought up the kid thing is that when I observe kids now, like you know my brothers and my cousins and everything, and when they 're a bit younger and they're playing and happy and everything. Um, they seem to have like a very effortless ability to show love and affection and you know what I mean like it's it's very easy for children to do that and and they don't even think about it they just do it it just feels right and then I think as you get older like obviously your experiences in your childhood kind of inevitably affects later in life I mean we, we know that everything that happens in your childhood is 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 going to affect for better or worse your your future um but then other things as well as you get older can distort or change the way you are and can make it for instance more difficult for you to show affection or empathy or love or you know whatever the case may be um but i guess my point is that that's something you can potentially lose and i think also, you're gaining the ability to understand these, you know, very intensely sad feelings f- on behalf of other people. You know, it's very easy, obviously, to to feel happiness or sadness based on what's going on in your own life. But you've really got to kind of be able to tap into something a bit deeper to feel for other people, to feel compassion and, and, and empathy and stuff, you know. Um, sounds crazy but you know I had to learn to show empathy I wasn't always very good at that and I'm still learning just like every other human being you know Um, but that's something I had to learn to do and what I understand about that is (laughs) it's more than just putting yourself in the place of that other person you have to kind of sit there push yourself aside for a second and just be there with that person and almost like let them in you know let them into your space or create a space around them and then allow them to be and then that's how you show empathy and obviously compassion is you know just being kind being nice you know doing things for them and such but all of that is a process together um, to be there for that person you know
1: absolutely yeah Oh, you know what? Really quick. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to quick plug my computer in. I didn't. Plug in. <laughs> sure. I was, like, dying. Give me two
0: seconds. No worries. I will just I will just keep talking because I don't want to have to edit. Uh, <laughs> that's something that I don't want to have right. to do. We're good. But good. Uh, you know, <laughs> we
1: keep going. We we'll keep going. Yeah. Um. But yeah. You know. Along that same point. Um. I feel like as as children, like you said, that's inherent. Like we we have that as children already. And I think when we grow up in the type of cultures that we do that is just inherently beaten out of us, you know? Yeah. Unless we do have some sort of a practice to maintain it. Because when you're a child, you're closer to these types of things than, you know, um, than you are when you're an adult, obviously, because, you know, you have the job market, you have all of these things that dictate what we have to do to be um, like prosperous within our culture and those things don't promote compassion and love
0: yeah yeah we're singing from the same hymn sheet here i was, I was just going to add on top of that that you know they force you to be competitive they force you to be selfish you know um people will say like, oh, don't be selfish. Think of others. Be there for others. But when you look at everything that you do in life, unless you're literally doing a role or working in a space where you're actively helping people or working in a team that works together, a lot of the time, it's like dog eat dog. It's the classic, you know. Like for instance, let's say you work in sales or something like that. It's literally your job to be better than everyone else. And if you're not, you get thrown under the bus and you constantly have to prove yourself and it's, that can be very brutal.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you get thrown under the bus, like that experience in itself is something that trains you to further throw other people under the bus because it trains you to be that way in order to prosper, especially in the job market nowadays. It's just, that's why like these things, that's why people have, a hard time sometimes when they come back from a mystical experience because right. they're just sort of thrown back into this world of doggy dog and it's hard to place compassion and love for everyone and everything on an extreme level into that sort of framework
0: i had a similar experience and i i know my v- listeners and viewers now are probably growing because it's like oh god he's gonna talk about it again but yeah yeah uh So I lived in Europe for a couple of years. I lived in a country called Estonia and and I had something akin to a spiritual awakening. And we'll keep it at that. If you want to listen to me talk about it more, go check out other episodes. Point is, reason I'm bringing it up is that that was my, I suppose, shifting in in reality. And and interestingly, it, it, it felt, much the same as, as what you're talking about with some of these experiences coming out of taking heavy drugs. Like it, I felt different. I felt different when I was there. I mean, it was a different country, different lifestyle. Right. But Estonia is a country that's like, know, yeah, there's a lot of forests. There's a lot of farmlands. I've worked on farms. I was on farms at some point. So I spent a lot of time in the countryside away from it all, even in the cities, you know, I, I still felt very disconnected from the world in a strange kind of way. Um, because so much of it is rural and it, you feel very isolated and it's, it's strange it's very strange um, and I think a lot of that came was because I was just away from from the UK for so long and um, I think on a deeper level everyone has like a connection to their homeland to some extent when you're away from your homeland for a long time I feel like a part of you is not with you like I always felt like a part of me was away in the UK I wasn't you know and then I came back and here's the thing like and I don't think I've ever actually spoken about this before but when I came back I was very like more spiritual hippie-ish kind of thing you know um but it was what you're talking about I felt very kind of like well what's the point of all of this like oh okay I gotta get a job and all that and you know it's not like I didn't have jobs when I was there but I stopped kind of caring about like, Oh, I need, you know, lots of money and I need to, you know, get a really successful career and get on the career ladder. Like I, I just didn't care about any of that stuff. And, you know, it wasn't that many years prior that I'd been to university and and studied marketing and business and all that, you know, and I still have that as part of me. I'm still always going to, have an interest in business and and everything like that but i see it differently now i try to look at things as like what value can i create how can i how can i be successful and the people around me be successful as well Um, i get i find myself being excited for the success of others you know that it used to be that i would just sit there and just be like oh yeah everyone's successful but me and don't get me wrong i still sometimes have those moments um but for the most part i find myself very genuinely happy for other people that I know and I celebrate their successes. And I think that can only for, come from having an experience like that or something similar where you have kind of a, the, the, the sense of self is destroyed a little bit and, and it, it makes you question these things. You know, like I I thought about the idea of being rich, having a lot of money. Um, it would make life easier. I know that it would allow me to do the things that I want to do. But the thing that's truly going to make me happy is being able to do all of these things that I love to do for a living. And then hopefully those things can also help people. Like that's the thing as well. I could easily, well not easily, but I could let's say I was successful and I got the things that I wanted to get right. It's kind of pointless if it doesn't help anyone, you know? And it's the same way as like, okay, let's say you become rich and successful or something. Right. Um, What's the point if you've got no one to share it with? Like, yep. it's just, there's no point, you know, it's just like, sometimes I'll, I'll do that now. Like, um, I don't know, like maybe I order a takeaway and I share it at the housemate and they're like, why, why would you give this for free? And I'm like, cause it's better when it's shared. It's just more enjoyable, you know. I'll in, I'll enjoy it more as well. It's almost like a it's just, it's almost like a selfish thing as well. Like, um, you know, when I when I used to do volunteering, um, you'd have the same thing. People would question and be like, "What? Why you? Why use your time? Like, do you get paid? No. Well, what are you doing it for?" And it's a two way thing. You want to help other people, and you want to feel good about yourself. You want to feel good. In the sense that you're giving something to the world, creating value, not just taking from it, I, I suppose.
1: Yeah. It's like I was saying earlier, it's, it's, you're saying the exact same thing. It's like, it's working on yourself through service to others, you right. know, and that, you know, that's why people, you know, say like, you know, don't be selfish, like be selfless, but that's impossible because it feels good when you do something selfless that selfish you know like the the feeling that you get from helping people technically c- should be considered as selfish because it's it's a great feeling it, it's um i've heard uh i believe it was alrey marcus on one of his podcasts he was talking to somebody and he said uh there's no drug more potent than service to others if done correctly and mm. i think that's it's a true statement
0: i also believe that you have to be selfish to be selfless I agree. Yeah, like it's that sort of thing. Like, how can you expect to bring happiness into the lives of others if you're not happy? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the amount of people I've met over the years who are wonderful and so unbelievably selfless, but they're suffering. They're not happy. They're not getting what they want or they're putting themselves. Um, to one side for years and years and years and that catches up with you and you're going to have a breakdown like you got to put yourself number one Um, because everyone in your life will benefit as a result of that like obviously what I mean by that is you got to take care of yourself and that's everything from your health your mental health you know your career like I think like it's very easy to say like, oh, well, I put myself, my career and everything and my own interests aside for the people I love. And it's like, yeah, but sooner or later, there's going to come a point where you're not going to feel fulfilled. And I think that's such a big aspect of being human, isn't it? Like, let's be real. Like none of us know why we're here or what's the point of, you know, there's probably no point to any of this, but we still have, we desire that sense of purpose. We have to create a sense of purpose or else we'll go crazy That's just how it is and i think what better purpose than to be the best that you can be and help others be the best that they can be
1: yeah and you can take that even a step further when you know when you realize that you aren't just you that you are everyone you know so when you are contributing to society or contributing to even just your your family you know what i what I try to do is not to look at it in too broad of a way, just to, you know, like the immediate people around me, you know, instead of like when someone needs help with something, if your initial reaction is, is to say, oh, great, now I have to get up and I have to go do this or, you know, I don't feel like spending my time in that way, you know, if you bypass that initial reaction, because a lot of this, this way of thought is not being reactionary. It's being more like actionary. Mm -hmm. So if that's a word. Um, So instead of having that initial reaction to it, you can think to yourself, okay, like, like essentially what's the compassionate thing to do? And you just do that, you know? Um, But there is a fine line between um, like giving too much of yourself to people who like drain, you know, your self-worth and your compassion from you. And that's where, you know, when you realize that, you are not just you, like you are everyone. Mm. and Everything around you and everyone is this giant interconnected form of emotion that you have to maintain and control. And if you do that correctly and you do that efficiently according to how you feel inside yourself and what your intuition is telling you, then you can start to create like a joyous environment for you and everyone around you because you'll you'll see that when you start to do these types of things, everything and everyone around you will will brighten and people will gravitate towards you you know i've seen this happen plenty of times through you know people in my life and you know myself included
0: yeah i wondered about that because in your personal life this is something that you've told me by the way so it's not something i found out in a creepy way Mm -hmm. um you have a fiance that you've been with for 15 years yeah and I mean, the main question I wanted to ask you is, dude, what's the secret? Like, please let us know. <laughs> but, but also <laughs> like, yeah, like how, how has um, spirituality and everything you've learned from psychedelics and everything in between like actually benefited that relationship and other relationships that you have?
1: Um, immensely. So at a certain point in time, Um, like right before and as I was getting into these types of things. um, Now, my fiance and I had been together. We've been together since 2007, and we've had, you know, plenty of ups and downs. I mean, many, many ups and downs. And when I started to go down this path, we were sort of – we were beginning to separate. Like not officially, but we were beginning to sort of um, go down separate paths, and both of those paths, mine and hers, were – negative so to speak they were they were just they were bad paths it was you know going out and drinking and you know meeting other people and you know just doing doing things that were not beneficial to our relationship or to ourselves Um, and at a certain point I started to do psychedelics and I was having these realizations that wow like what I'm doing is not conducive to a healthy relationship with anyone in my life especially the most important person in my life you know and we were at a point where we were pretty much about to call it quits because it just was we just weren't on the same wavelength you know because when you know when you're together from 17 on up you know you're going through these these certain stages of your life where you are transforming and it's so important to transform together rather than transform separately, because if you transform separately, you're just going to grow in those particular directions apart. So that's what we were doing. We were kind of growing apart. And I remember there was a point in time where we had gone through something very tumultuous and I had said to her, listen, like if you still feel that you have love for me and you want to continue this relationship and we want to move on from here and, and, and reconnect, then I pointed to my safe I had a safe I said there's a bunch of mushrooms in that safe and I said let's do this together and she said she said all right you know it's like a last ditch effort she'd never done it before and and uh, she was like okay let's do it um, so did she not be, did she
0: not sort of be like hey dude priorities like like what like yeah, we're about to break like... up So let's take drugs. Like what? (laughs) Yeah, But it
1: was, it was such a last ditch thing, you know, and it it was under such desperate times that it was something that she was like, okay, all right, let's try it. If it can do what you are claiming it can do, then it might be worth it. And of course, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh shit. Like, I really hope this works. You know, I hope I'm not just like bullshitting here and I I hope this works. Um, So yeah, I mean, we, we did it. We took, um, a, fairly high dose together as well. Um, And it was miraculous. I mean, we connected on a level we had never thought possible. It opened up our hearts to be able to have like a conversation that we that our egos wouldn't allow us to have. And we reconnected on a level that just, I mean, our relationship has been soaring ever since then. Um, And we've done psychedelics together, you know, quite a few times. And it's, I mean, she will even credit mushrooms as saving our relationship. And like, I can say, yeah, you know, but we we put in the necessary work after the psychedelic experience to really solidify the relationship. But yeah, like the catalyst of our healing was that mushroom trip together.
0: What changed? Like I, I, I still, I'm still at a loss, a bit of a loss here because it's like, I understand what you said about, you know, it's improved connection and it's made it possible for you to kind of put aside all the BS and just focus on, on that. But like, what, what fundamental things changed that have allowed it to be a successful relationship now?
1: Well, another big fundamental change was, um, the spirituality part of it. Right we have that now that we can share together and the spirituality part of it is it's what informs every decision that at least me that i make in in my whole life and you know for her as well you know it's it's uh what we were talking about before it's uh the compassion the love and when when you don't have those things where when they were beaten out of you as we said they get beaten out of you throughout your life and those things come back, they begin to really inform how you act and how you carry yourself in the world. So, we were able to connect on that level, as well as on a level of it's almost, I almost like to describe a psychedelic experience as it's like a computer desktop, you know? All your files are all a complete mess and everything is all crazy. And what the psychedelic does is it reformats everything, puts everything into nice little folders, and prioritizes everything perfectly for you so that now that you have this priority change the things that are important in your life and the things that are unimportant in your life they sort of make some switches here and previous things that we thought were important like um approval of others like going out to bars and you know getting attention from people and and things like that even alcohol consumption itself uh was just it dropped very very low on that priority list so just the our, our day-to-day activities, the things that we valued in, in each day changed completely. And what rose to the top of that priority list was our relationship and each other and the people around us and, you know, becoming fulfilled, not necessarily um, just like a coat of paint happy, you know, because when you think of happiness, you know, You could play a video game and be happy you're smiling you're having a good time or you could you know drink and go out and do whatever you want to do and you're you know you can be happy doing those things and you can enjoy yourself but being fulfilled became more important than just being happy and we understood that fulfillment came from each other and we had this love and this connection that ran so deep that we were sort of putting on the back burner for other things And this brought it to the forefront as the most important thing. And when you brought up, like, what's the secret? The secret is prioritizing each other as the number one priority in your life, no matter what, in any way. And I mean, any way. So if a family member, you know, needs something, or if, you know, you have a a, potential promotion in your job where you can get more money or you know anything that you would prioritize as like a big move in your life that is number two all of that stuff is two three four five six your relationship has to be number one and if it is then and, it, and it's fueled by compassion and a proper priority list then you're just you're set up for
0: success in any way how how do you prevent because i've heard the complete opposite i've heard people say you know like for instance right, fair enough i've been single close to nearly 5 years now so out of the two of us whose advice are you going to take but um <laughs> one yeah, thing I, <laughs> I did no no you've worked hard at it like i can tell it's that's not luck that's that's understanding that's you know Learning lessons, putting things to use, as you put it. I mean, fifteen years. Come on, like you—you you, you going through ups and downs. You keep working it, keep working it, and you continue to work at it. You know, um, and I, I think that's true of just anything in life. And one thing I think my last past couple of relationships have taught me is that you can't put yourself to one side for the relationship, but at the same time. Like, in my mind, the ideal relationship if if I ever find one would be where we share a life together, but we also have like our own goals and and because your like, lives are going to be different unless you 're doing the exact same things in life they 're going to be different, but you can still support each other 's visions and goals and get each other there and be like a kind of a support network for each other but what you 're yeah. saying a little bit um i 'm not saying it it goes against what I'm saying, but it, it does kind of imply that like, well, the, no, the relationship is the most important thing and, and, and your stuff is secondary. And it's like, okay, well, it, it, under that line of thinking, um, how do you prevent the relationship from getting in the way of, you know, your individual things?
1: So when both people's priority lists consists of number one, being the other person, then like for me, for instance, like if she is my number one priority, then what is important to her, her passions, the things that she wants to do are they, like they come with that. So I would never get in the way of anything that would make her fulfilled and happy because she is my number one priority and vice versa. If mm-hmm. I want to do something in my life, like if I want to start a podcast or if I want to do anything, you know, I have her full support because I know that I am her number one priority. So it's not as if like, you're putting yourself on the back burner because it's, it's such a two way street that the other person is also in the same position, you know, like, you, like the, the happiness of the other person and the fulfillment of, the, of your partner is fulfilling to you. So that's, so it, it kind of works
0: both ways. Oh, I get that. I get that. I, I, I guess the reason I ask is because there's this fear in my mind of being with someone and then, you know, put say, doing as you say, putting the relationship first and then they take advantage of that and they say, oh, well, you're not, you know, you're not putting me first. You know, you put in this, let's say, job or thing that you're passionate about. And, you know, like, for example, if, if I was with someone and they said to me, oh, it's me or this thing. You know, like, I'm going to be like, well, bye, see ya. Like, you know, if you really love me, you wouldn't force me to choose. I don't think anyone should ever make someone, do you know what I mean? Like make someone choose between like their dreams and goals and aspirations in life and them. Cause it's like, you don't live your life for another person, you know? I
1: totally agree. Yes, Right. percent It's not <laughs> as if like you're you're sacrificing yourself for them. It's that like, you're both sacrificing everything else for each other and it's not necessarily like uh it's more inclusionary than than anything you know because whatever makes that person happy makes you happy so if you see that person and they want to do something to fulfill themselves you'll never say to that person oh it's 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 this or it's me and i mean obviously these things are very complicated Mm -hmm. and the reason I said I I got lucky is because um, I mean my fiance is she's just a beautiful person and you know for her to have the ability to, to, to learn and grow in the same way that I have that is why I consider myself very lucky because it's not you know it wasn't just me it's not like that oh you know I'm responsible for saving our relationship because I gave her mushrooms and that was the catalyst it's it's that you know she had this in her the whole time it just had to be brought out and i had it in me the whole time my i I brought it out of myself you know just a few weeks earlier you know but uh yeah it's really it's such such a two-way street and and you know all the credit in the
0: world you know to her for for stepping up too you know oh it's so beautiful to hear um do you, have, do you have any kind of like general relationship tips for people? I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that will listen to this and be like, come on, man, tell us more. How do we fix this? How, what do we do? Like, how do we keep the fire alive or, or ignite the fire? You know, like what, what other tips could you give?
1: Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I mean, cause every situation is so different. And right. I think if you could just fundamentally learn how to communicate your feelings and also learn how to really hear somebody else when they communicate their feelings and, mm. you know, from a place of compassion, not a place of insecurity. Because previously in our relationship, um, it was everything came from a place of insecurity, as if we were going to lose each other from, you know, with every turn. And I know that mo- a lot of people operate in that way where they see something, they see everything as a threat because they're just so scared to lose it. Right. So I think part of it is, you know, part of really life is is being willing to lose the things that you really care about in order to um in order to to heal them because most of the time when you have that fear that insecurity of of loss, it's coming from a place of ego and the possibility or the probability that you will actually lose that thing is Usually less than what your like your mind is telling you, so I think that's a big thing too. Being vulnerable, allowing yourself to open up and to really hear, you know, your partner um, is just it's key. And again, making making your relationship the most important thing. And you know, when you're in a relationship, especially when it's long term, you know, you know what's good and what's bad, what's healthy, what's prosperous, and what's not for your own relationship. Um, cause every circumstance could be very specific and, and very different, but yeah, I think those are, those are the main things to really keep in the back of your mind and have them motivate your actions.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received?
1: Wow. The best advice I've ever received. That's such a good question. Um, so the best advice I'd ever received was from a mushroom trip. I would say. <laughs> okay. Of course, of course, I'm going to of say. Of course. That. Um, and I'm not. You can't. I. I can't say that it came from another intelligence, mm. or if it came from just something within me. Um, but the best advice I had ever received was understanding and knowing that there is something that is beyond our understanding that humbles me totally. Something that I can dedicate myself to that's larger than myself. And it's not that it diminishes me as a, as a person, but it it puts me in perspective. Because in this culture, we're, we're taught that we have to have the best hair, which you have beautiful hair, by the way. I wish I had your hair. Thank you, sir. Um, we have to have the, the nicest car, the, the most money in our bank account. You know, we have right. to have all these things that, that form this perfect image of a person. And when you realize that that's not really the thing that you're supposed to go for and that there are larger and more important like meta networks that are outside of what you feel is like the ultimate reality, it's, it's really, it's almost like the message of any religion too, you know? Um, spirituality, whatever you want to call it, God, you know, that thing is going to, to serve you if you follow its path. If you, if you follow like like you were saying earlier, it's like you get sort of these messages in your life and from yourself that tell you do this thing and don't do that thing. Or uh, another way to think of it is they're, they're referred to as synchronicities. When you hmm. see synchronicities, random events in your life that seem to connect, that is sort of an implication that you are traveling down like the correct path.
0: You know what I mean? I do. And it's kind of freaking me out, to be honest.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It's, it, it freaks you out unless you can center yourself and sort of like, just put it in perspective that it's okay. Just because this is happening and because it's so weird and so crazy, doesn't make it bad. It actually makes it good.
0: One of my po- uh, podcast guests the other day um, who came on the show is deeply spiritual and you know, di- different di- in a different way, but um, just, yeah. And she had turned around and she she claims, I mean, she hates the word psychic, but that's what she is. Um. And she was saying to me, like, you know, Christian, this is, like, the right path for you. Like, the things you you want are going to come to you kind of thing. Like, something big is coming kind of thing. And I don't know. Like, in my mind, I would love that. I would love all of those things. But at the same time, it's daunting as well. And I almost feel like... I don't deserve that like that that's the sort of thing that happens to special people like I'm not special you know that's how I feel a lot of the time and you know I I keep looking at this this podcast which there's a lot of other goals and and things that I have in my life that I want to achieve like I'd love to, to do acting I'd love to do voice acting properly I'd love to you know finally record some of my music you know and i've said this a million times on this show um but i i can honestly say this is probably the one thing in my life that i can actually see the progression over time and other people have said that as well and you know i mentioned earlier like i've had a lot of guests on the show and, and such and it's it's interesting to me because my own my only kind of approach to this has just been to keep doing it you know like just just keep trying and hopefully it'll get better and hopefully it will go somewhere or something um and that kind of i suppose is the main point of doing anything in life isn't it it's like you just you you start being not very good at something and you keep doing it and you get better at it but and this is the point I think there are certain things that, if you end up doing them, they're the things that you're supposed to be doing. You know, there's been many things that I've been good at in life, but they weren't the things that I think I'm meant to do. Like, I, it sounds douchey and cringy and stuff, but, you know, I do kind of believe in that whole coming to this planet to do what you were born to do like I think there might actually be some truth to that and I think there's you know as I've said in in previous podcasts I think there are many different things we can do we don't just have to just do one there's many ways we can uh, give to the world in a a big way in a profound way Um, and I don't know recent events recent people I've spoken to it's given me hope and belief in that and it's Started to make me think, like, hmm, maybe, maybe it is happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talk about um, feeling undeserving, mm. um, and that is—it's such a common feeling. And I think one of the things that that comes from is a view of the world as r- like random unfoldings, as opposed to like you were saying, like it—it it does sort of seem like there is like a quote unquote set path. And if you look at life as not being pushed from behind and sort of there's some sort of attractor in the future that there's a set path that you are going to take to inevitably you know, get to that attractor, get to that point. Because if you look back on your life, you know, they say hindsight is 2020. When you look back, everything seems like it's, it's going just according to a perfect plan, you know? Because if anything was different in any part of your life, you wouldn't be the person that you are right now. Like that butterfly effect, you know? If a butterfly yeah. flaps its wings in a different way, you know, the whole world could be different. So if everything in, in both of our lives had not gone exactly as they, they did, you know, we wouldn't be here speaking to each other right now. And if you look at life as sort of, you know, uh, a journey to an ultimate attractor at the end, you could sort of see where you can solidify each stage as almost, I wouldn't say preordained, but it's almost like there is a path that we're going on and there's something that's attracting us. And if we follow that thing, everything's going to be okay.
0: Um this is some deep stuff man yeah wow (laughs) wow um yeah just another similar question to the one i asked you before Mm -hmm. what's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far
1: man the biggest life lesson i've learned so far is probably to carry myself with love and compassion in everything i do and you know that's that's toward everyone externally Mm. and everything externally and also myself you know because even, even in like a job market, you know, um, where you're in, a, I'm in like a competitive environment in like an office setting, say. Mm-hmm. And if I conduct myself with love and compassion in even an office environment where you wouldn't think any of this stuff would matter, people respond to that in such a positive way. People find themselves attracted to people who, um, who emit light from them, you know, and you emit light from yourself with love and compassion, not with anger and hate so every day in every situation i'm in i try my best i'm not great at it all the time you know i have a lot of work to do but I, I just i try my best to to carry myself with as much love and compassion as i can
0: it's been a real pleasure talking to you josh like i've really really enjoyed it and i know our listeners are gonna absolutely love this conversation um i think it's weird um I say this every once in a while I have a show that makes me start thinking or that I particularly enjoy or, you know, and I don't get me wrong. I enjoy every show, but there are some times certain conversations you have, not just with things like this, but just in life that alter the way that you think or redefine the way that you think, or just present new ideas or, or, you know, maybe even reaffirm what you already believe. And this is definitely one of them. And I just wanted to say, real heartfelt. Thank you for that. Thank you for all the um, just wonderful advice and experiences you've shared today. And uh, yeah, just a big thank you.
1: And thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. And thank you for being receptive to what I, you know, am putting out there. And also, I mean, you're a fantastic interviewer. This has been a (laughs) a fluid and just very enjoyable conversation. And I, I really appreciate you having me on. And I mean, I'd love to do it again. Love to have you back on my podcast, my podcast too. And yeah.
0: Absolutely. I, I'll just say now, you know, you're always welcome on the show. Would love to appear on your show again. And I'll just say that as well, guys, make sure you go and check out the pursuit of infinity podcast. Um, I really loved being on on Josh's show. Uh, the conversation was very similar. It's a bit of a different format, but it was uh, very similar. And um there are certain people you click with sometimes and I think it's it's like that. So, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, to all the listeners of the Christian Reed podcast, as always, be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.